Welcome to Mindfully Integrative Podcast with your host, Dr. Damaris G. Mindfully Integrative is a podcast discussing ways toward mindfully incorporating integrative health into our lives. This podcast will have informative resources, fun topics, interviews, and discussions relatable for today with a true mindful perspective in a mind-body holistic life approach. Hello. This is Dr. Damaris Maria Grossman, and thank you again for joining in on the Mindfully Integrative podcast. And I just wanted to let you know of our upcoming events and things. So if you want to know and reach out, our resources and our membership is opening soon. So check out mindfullyintegrative.com for more fun and more info. Thanks so much and talk with you soon. Hi, how are you? This is Dr. Damaris Maria Grossman, and this is the Mindfully Integrative Show. And today we have a really wonderful mindful chat with Mindy Gorman Pulitzer. She is an author. She is a functional nutrition lifestyle practitioner and eating psychology coach. She has so much to offer and so much wealth of knowledge to discuss with you. And I can't wait for you guys to chat and learn more about her. So thank you so much for coming on to the show and taking your time and to express all of your knowledge. Maris, thank you so very much. First of all, it's a great, lovely introduction. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to speak to you and your audience. I cannot wait for you to, you know, dive into, you know, where you came into your info and and your life and stuff. So um, I always kind of start out with just a little small fun fact that people don't know about you. Oh, a fun fact. Well, I love to cook. I love to nest. I love spending time with my family. Um, I'll give you a fun fact. This goes along with how did this happen? Last night, I accompanied my 16-year-old grandson to a college recruiting event. How did that happen? (laughs) And he drove me there. Is he is he pretty excited about going to college? He's well, he's he's at the point now where he's trying to figure out where he wants to put himself and how he sees himself. And that in itself is very exciting. But I I so relate and I, I find it to be a fun fact because when I look back on the trajectory of my life and how I got to where I am today, it blows me, blows my mind. <laughs> it really does. It blows me away. So that could be a fun fact. It could also be a whoa and an aha moment. That yeah, I mean, you don't seem like you have a 16-year-old grandson. Yeah. yeah. I do. So I do. that's that in itself means you have many years of experience and you also have being a mom. I know is a lot. I'm a mom, but you're a mom and a grandmom. <laughs> so that's gotta be even more cool. Yeah, but and they- I'm a I'm a stepmom as well. Oh so my goodness. That is another whole part of the journey that got me here. And um, life is big and beautiful and blessed. And I'm very grateful for every minute because I fought my way to get here. And how can can you explain that further to me? I mean, what? what Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, um, anybody who knows anything about me knows that my work today is dedicated to help people understand a more holistic, functional, integrative approach to eating disorder and disordered eating recovery. I came to this place of knowing 
as a result of my own experience with most of my adult years spent in the throes, what I really refer to as the black hole of eating disorders Mm. and eating disorder recovery. Took me a long time to understand the difference between doing recovery and being recovered. So, you know, just to quickly go back, I I grew up in a very loving family, but it was complicated. We had a, a dark cloud over our family. I was the oldest of three daughters. My youngest sister was diagnosed at a very early age with a a terrible disease that was not going to allow her to live a long or a productive life. Hmm. Our parents were mere children themselves at the time. My mother was 18 when she gave birth to me, 24 when she gave birth to this sister of mine. So let's just say that there were challenges when it came to healthy coping. And I learned at a very young age to be quiet, be obedient, stay out of the way, not ask for much, and to pretty much figure out how to take care of myself when it came to my needs. But at the same time, I was getting a message that image was really important, that it was important to project yourself into the world a certain way. Another part of that message was tied to beauty. And in my family, beauty meant being thin, very thin. And my parents were always struggling with their own weight issues. So dieting became this family affair. Mm. And um, it, and I'm going to date myself now, but it was the, the late 60s, early 70s. So it was the Stillman diet, the Atkins diet. Of course, there was Weight Watchers, but the, the big piece of it was calorie restriction, counting mm-hmm. calories. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter the quality of the calories. It only mattered the quantity. I think they still do that even to this day. That's I'm telling you. Even I'm as trying a, to as change a, that. <laughs> oh, I, I think you are. But I'm saying like, there's just so many of these fads that... Even these, like, as a provider, I I see it left and right. And I'm like, that's not going to fix this. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now, I, I, you know, I want to add the caveat to to this, that not everybody who goes on a diet is going to develop an eating disorder. But Mm -mm. in my decades of experience, I've never met anybody with an eating disorder that hadn't started with a diet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was thrown into diet culture and um, it was all about how little I could eat and basically how small my body could become. Mm -hmm. So fast forward now to my early twenties, I married at 21, had my first daughter at 22, my second daughter at 24. My husband and I became um, active members of our community. I was living the life that I was told I was meant to live. And by the time I got into my mid to late thirties, all of these behaviors, the restricting the compensatory overeating, the laxative abuse, the diuretic use, the over the counter um, appetite suppressants were really starting to take a toll on me. My weight was at a dangerous low. My hormones were totally imbalanced. My gut was starting to become seriously impacted. My mood was unstable. My relationships were, were truly being threatened. My husband was vacillating between resenting me and blaming himself. My Teenage daughters at that time were developing their own really rocky relationship with food in their bodies. I knew Mm. I needed to take steps to to do something. I was at a low. Went to see the family doctor. 
was a lovely, compassionate, wonderful man. But now this was the early 90s. There were no fabulous spa-like residential treatment centers. If And I was two pounds threatened with, with hospitalization if I'd lost two more pounds. Oh, no. Which meant that I was going to be admitted to a psych ward in the local hospital. Because as mm. I said, there were no beautiful residential um, treatment centers at that time. Right. The, the change, it's, it's come a long way, but you're yes. back and then it was, it was just like, okay, clinic, you're, you're going to get psych ward, psych ward. And all I could picture was, you know, like going to the hospital and having an intravenous needle in my arm and totally being stripped of all matters of control and humility. That mm-hmm. wasn't going to happen. And again, you know, I say this tongue in cheek, but after all, I had an image to protect. So um, the doctor set me up with a new routine, weekly weigh-ins and vital checks twice and three time a week uh, visits to a therapist and weekly visits to a dietitian. So I was essentially being told what I needed to weigh, what I needed to think and feel and what I needed to eat was not going to be sustainable. Oh, they also prescribed um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety. Of of course. I mean, come on. Of course. Yeah. And you know, what I realized after a period of time was that nobody was really asking me what I was really hungry for. Nobody was addressing the fact that I didn't feel safe. And it was whole, yes, food is the control. It's just the element of what everything it's just else. A symptom. It was it's just, just a, a symptom. symptom. It's a symptom of every other disease that we have out. Yeah. So, um, right. I, so that's what I meant when, when I say I was doing recovery, I was a good girl. I was showing up. I was as compliant as I could have been at the time doing the best that I could, but my mind was still cluttered with the noise of fear and who I thought I needed to be in order to feel loved, accepted, and safe. Um, I was going along, life was okay. And then in my mid forties, my husband at the time was diagnosed with metastatic melanoma. And the prognosis was dire. And we ended up losing Stuart in August of 2004. I was 49 years old. Mm. So I was thrust back into that dark hole of unhealthy coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. After all, I was self-soothing. And after some time, I realized I had a choice. I learned and believed that I had a family that loved me and supported me. My older daughter had been married. I was looking forward to becoming a grandmother. I wanted to be a very big part of my family's lives. And I chose the light and I chose recovery. But I knew that I had to really approach things differently. I knew that it was about looking inward and taking stock of what was driving my behavior, understanding the context of of how my behaviors evolved, understanding also that it wasn't my fault, understanding that the eating disorder behaviors were not the problem. They started out as a solution. Mm. And that put me on a trajectory of self-discovery and healing. And so here I am in my early 50s, and I learned about health coaching and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And from there, I was introduced to the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. And from there, I was introduced to functional medicine and functional medicine nutrition. I became certified in each of those areas. Love it. My favorite. 
Yeah. Combined all my trainings with my personal experience and created what is now the Freedom Promise. The Freedom Promise. And that's your website, right? The Freedom Promise. The Freedompromise.com is my website. Yes. I, I love what you're what you've what you've done for yourself and how you've educated yourself to find solutions when you weren't getting the right answers from, you know, from from just everyone else and also for yourself when you realize that you need to change. I think it's that's so important. Well, you know what I learned. And, and functional medicine teaches us, right, that mm-hmm. everyone is unique and everything matters. Absolutely. Right. And also all systems of the body are connected. So I needed within that deep dive, not only to look at what I was thinking and explore my story and how I was attached to it, but I needed to look at what was happening in my body. Recovery, you know, the definition of recovery is to regain what was lost or taken, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you can recover a pen, you can recover a a set of lost keys, Mm -hmm. but recovery from chronic illness, from substance abuse, from addiction, from eating disorders, disordered eating is very nuanced. It's not about weight. It's not about food groups. Mm-mm. It's about the fact that every system is connected. Everyone is unique and everything matters. So what I discovered because of my own physiological issues is that there is a deep connection between physiology and psychology and vice versa, right? Psychology impacts physiology. We know this from our training in functional medicine. Functional medicine nutrition speaks to not only what you're eating, but what your body is doing with what you're eating. So when I work with somebody who is dealing with clutter in their minds, you know, inflammatory, toxic thoughts about their bodies, fear and confusion about food, we first talk about their attachment to story. But at the same time, we want to make sure that their diet is not adding to the inflammation in their bodies and is not essentially feeding their anxiety. Oh, for sure. And so much of the traditional eating disorder treatment today is just about weight management. Doesn't matter how, right? It's, it's really about, it's promoting poor quality nutrition for the purposes of weight restoration or exposure therapy, right? Someone who's binging might be be um, have exposure therapy given to them. So all this junk food is around to help them manage their their cravings and triggers when what their bodies need and their brains need is high quality nutrition, high quality food, <laughs> learn what sh- like real sugar, not fake sugar tastes like, right? Healthy you know? fats, right? healthy fats, healthy fruit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. So that's, that's how I hope to change the conversation. excuse me i i feel that the conversation more and more i believe is going in the right trajectory but individuals like yourself need to be available and those health coaching and and yourself as um eating disorder specific it's so important because the conversation about food is just so warped in today's society not only because the food available is just so sad and not great. Just the conversation of what people can do as alternatives is like more important and having that conversation. Have you found when you have the um these individuals that you've met and 
that you're changing and talking to them, have they never really known what it was to eat a healthy way? Well, they know, but they've they come know. to use food for purposes of self-soothing and in some cases self-medicating. Whether they're restricting or overeating, right. it's really about avoidance. It's easier to think about what you're going to eat or not eat than it is to think about the feelings that you fear allowing yourself to feel. Yeah, the, those underlying real, real cause. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we have to ask people, what are they recovering from? Right. And, you know, there, there are quite a few um, root causes or antecedents, as we know and refer to in functional medicine, right? Believe it or not, 60 to 85% of eating disorders have some sort of genetic link. And how, when you're saying in the genetic link component, are you saying genetic link in reference to eating disorders or um, genetic link in reference to just having that exposure? Well, we can say genetics loads the gun, the yeah, right. pulls the trigger, right? No, but there, look, there are some gene variations which predispose us to um, obsessive compulsive behaviors, right. addiction. Gotcha. Right? So there's that. that Adverse childhood experiences, mm. which affect brain development, can be a root cause of eating disorders. You know, I often remind people that our very, very first experience with being nurtured, feeling safe, being seen has to do with being fed, right? We thrust out of the womb and we're wrapped in warmth and we're fed. The brain remembers, eat, feel safe, eat, feel better. There's no sense of autonomy, no ego. All we know is that we are going to be taken care of by the person responsible for our care and feeding. Then life happens. We develop a sense of self. We develop feelings. We might not feel so safe anymore in our environment. We might have to figure out how to navigate this world that we're finding ourselves in for whatever reason. Big trauma, little trauma. The brain remembers. Eat, feel better. So that's why food is so often a means of coping and self-soothing for so many. But it's also can become a means to self-sabotage. And again, that's very bio-individual. When um, we were discussing that for yourself, you said you had come up with this freedom, freedom, um, freedom promise. And your own framework, because you've um, like to tell the audience, you wrote a book. What was your book? My book is called The Freedom Promise, Seven Steps to Stop Fearing What Food Will Do to You and Start Embracing What It Can Do for You. I came up with that tagline after sitting with a client one evening and she was describing to me how she felt about the food before her. And I sensed her fear. She was so fearful of what the food would do to her. And then I I injected my own experience into that and realized that I had spent all those years 
thinking about what the food I was going to eat or not eat was going to do to me. I never gave any thought to what food could do for me. And then just organically, the seven-step framework evolved. And it's an acronym for freedom. So it goes, find your enough, face your feelings, feel the love, rest and digest, Mm. eat when you're hungry, stop when you're not, eat mindfully, do something every day to make your body feel alive, only eat whole foods as often as you can, and make sure you surround yourself with what truly nourishes. And in the book, I start every step, every chat, every step is a different chapter. I start each one with an anecdotal story of my own insanity. And then I launch into the psychology and the science that backs up each of the steps with action steps and strategies and affirmations and a journal question um, to back it all up. Um, To take that a step further, then five years after I published the book, I created a self-study course called Stop Fearing Food, Start Loving Your Body, an um, unconventional approach to say goodbye to your disordered eating for good. And I just want to say, by loving your body, I don't mean loving what you're always going to see in the mirror. I mean, how you treat your body. We're not always going to love what you see in the mirror. And that is just a fact that we need to accept. But um, so the the self-study course brings the book to life. But I had completed my certification in functional nutrition. So I added that piece to the self-study course. Well, it's it's so important. I mean, they're all, it's all interconnected, right? I mean, absolutely. And and that course is available through my website. Oh, that's great. And then you were saying that you um, have had um, more, you had built even like another uh, course that's coming up or is that correct? Yeah, I have a, a mini course called Beyond Food, Conquering the World of Hidden Triggers. And that's a very, very digestible three-module course that delves into why, what, and how. So it's why your behaviors evolved, what happens in the body that is a result of or contributing factor to your relationship and behavior with food. And finally, the third module is how to stop the sabotage. So that's all about strategies that you can employ. And uh, this course is going to be released before the holidays because holidays aren't joyous for everybody. And I really want those who care and are committed and invested in their healing to start the holidays and go into the season with the intention to bring joy to the table and not set resolutions and rules for themselves that are going to be unsustainable. And that course is going to be offered for only $97 to make it affordable for as many people who are interested. So um, no, I think it's important to bring more joy and, and to, you know, consider, because sometimes, like you said, the holidays for individuals are, can be a tough time. And then food can also trigger, food can help. It brings together, but it needs to be like discussed in the most, you know, best way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I see behind you, your background, it says find a mindful way each and every day. And I, I think such a big part of that 
is to find gratitude for where we are, what we have, not what we're lacking, to to develop a mindset of abundance rather than a mindset of scarcity, to set healthy boundaries for ourselves, and to really feast on the life that is before us. You know, I always say we need to learn to invite ourselves to the table as an honored guest. That's important because I think that sometimes when we go or present ourselves not with just family, friends, or or at an event, do we present the real, you know, and and to be honored? It's like so you're saying to to present your best self, but to be um acknowledging of that and the most po- in a positive ma- manner. And that's important. I don't think we always do that. And and yeah, and question what is our best self? Right. For me, I've learned my best self is one that's humble. My best self is one that's vulnerable. My best self is one that's truthful. Yeah. My best self is one who listens to the wisdom of my body. That's the other thing. So many of of the people that I work with, women that I work with, one thing they have in common, whether they are restrictive eaters or overeaters, is that they are disconnected from their bodies and disconnected from the wisdom of their bodies. They're living in their heads. They're living in a world of shoulds and shouldn'ts rather than letting the brilliance of their bodies dictate what choices they can be making for themselves, whether it comes to food, appropriate movement, relationships, resilience. So true. So true. I think that there is such a disconnect between the mind, body, and, you know, the brain. It's just them, just all together that we're almost, people are almost afraid to connect. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that when, when we, when we're have, having or experiencing that disconnect between mind and body, our souls suffer. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Right. I, I know that I experienced myself that feeling of being connected to the deepest part of me, right? To where my heart feels full, where there's no fear. That's when I know that I've come home to myself. That was my universally given birthright to always be able to return home to myself. That's where I'm the safest. For me, that's my deepest sense of self. That's my higher power. Rather than continuing as I did for so many years of my life to look outside of myself for validation, outside of myself to feel my enoughness, outside of myself to choose to eat a certain way, you know, having a scale tell me how worthy I was that day. Of, of self-love or self-hate. Those things are all outside of us. When we connect to that deepest part of ourselves, there's no fear. There's only love. I, I think you bring up a very big point of the answers are within. And sometimes we don't always see that. Um, and it And it can be, you know, you're guiding individuals to, you know, empower that inner, inner voice. And I think that's really important. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes it's frightening to stay, say, say around long enough to hear the answers to the questions. Right. Mm. 
And it's also scary to be asked to give up behaviors that are serving the purpose of self-soothing, serving the purpose of avoiding what we deem to be intolerable. And that's why it's so important to reach out for supports. Healing does not happen in a vacuum. And healing does not happen without discomfort. It's so true. You're 100% correct. <laughs> I um I think that, you know, individuals can't, well, I, I don't say, I don't think the word can't, but to be afraid of, uh, of looking in and having those conversations, but they need someone like you and having these conversations of our health in a different way, because people are, are trying to find answers or maybe they've just the disconnect, you know, the, the mind, body, and spirit are just, it's a beautiful thing. And it's realizing that they're together, right. And, and trying to connect us. I'm hoping that someone listening is hearing your message and is looking a little bit on their own conversation and having yeah. to say that they're okay when they are enough. Yeah. It's so well said, you know, I, I want people to realize that transformation, right? That internal shift that we need happens more when we let go rather than when we concentrate on what can I do to change, right? So I would say letting go is less about doing and more about what we can let go of in order to become the change and in some cases become the change we want to see. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can those reach you and find you? Well, we said my website is thefreedompromise.com. I can find me or message me on Instagram at thefreedompromise. Um, I know that um, posts will be up in the next few weeks regarding the course that I described, Beyond Food. And um, I always respond to messages. Facebook also is the Freedom Promise. And I would love to hear from our audience. Well, I appreciate you being on and thank you so much for your time and all of your wonderful tidbits and strategies and for more for those to reach out to you and to get a hold of your book or go into your website. So thanks again. Thank you, Damaris. Really, it's been wonderful. I, I really appreciate the time and I can't wait for those to listen more and to reach out. And like I said, to those watching and those listening, you know, um, take this time to, you know, look within and give yourself that connection or reach out to Mindy and those that if you are struggling, you know, we are here for you. So take that time and, you know, we're here to help you connect in the right way with your health. And make sure you find a mindful way each and every day. Thanks for listening to Mindfully Integrative with Dr. Damaris G. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you enjoyed our show, support us by leaving a mindful review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming site. If you would like to be a guest of our show or interview, email us at info at If you want to learn more about the resources mentioned in the podcast, you can find those in the show notes. To connect mindfully with Dr. Damaris G., reach her at www.damarismaria.com or connect via social media links. We appreciate your time connecting here with us. May your strength and peace within bring you more balance every day. Namaste.